Hi, and welcome to Spiritual Side Note. What up? What's up? We are talking about marriage again this week. So this is Round marriage follow-up part two. Yes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I've been not doing well overall healing from COVID. So Shay took the podcast by himself last week and kind of did a follow-up on the marriage topic, specifically being the leader spiritual leader of the home and um, talked about like five different levels or layers i don't remember which word you use of intimacy uh just aspects aspects i don't remember what word i use but yeah five different yeah aspects of intimacy um and the week before that we both just kind of talked about our story and different parts of marriage that we've walked through over the last 10 almost 11 years um and so today part three I'm going to, I don't even know if I want to say respond, because it wasn't really that I had much to respond to from what you were talking about, Um, but wanted to almost, I guess, respond to some things that came to mind from the first time that we had chatted Mm. over the last couple weeks. My follow-up to me. Sounds weird. Um, But before we jump any further into that, do you have any Athelia quotes? Haley's an Athelia quote fanatic. I am because I think she's hilarious. I mean, she is, but yeah. Do you know how? Uh, none are coming to mind. You got to ask me beforehand. I'm terrible on the spot like uh, this. Man, it's like, what's your favorite fun. movie? And I'm like, ah, what's a movie? Like, yeah, except you literally have a list of what your favorite movies okay, are. Okay, well, so that's that one a, is yes. Easy. Um, you can okay. I got one. Okay, you got one. So Athelia's in this weird stage of saying things don't smell good, <laughs> and I, I think she probably got COVID before we did because they were super sick, and she now doesn't like dates or cheese, and she loved them just a few weeks ago, um, and now she's saying we smell bad, and I feel like we smell the same as what we usually smell like. I mean, I lost my sense of smell, so there's a legitimate period where I was questioning whether that is I did true. Smell Shay bad, was so. having me like smell his feet. <laughs> I couldn't smell. Yeah, and the, yeah. that day, your feet really did smell bad. Okay, but, thank you. For yeah, that. it cool. happens All to right. people. It, Does it? Oh it, yeah. I just feel like you literally just aired my dirty laundry <laughs> on our podcast. Just your dirty feet. Okay. Um, anyways, Athelia goes to preschool one day a week with uh, a good friend of mine named Lindsay. And Lindsay takes these, what she calls little gems from Athalia. And this week, the gem was that Miss Lindsay was helping Athalia go to the bathroom. Um, And they were in like a bigger stall and there was a lady in the stall next to them. And Athalia, Miss Lindsay got close to help Athalia like pull up her pants or something. And Athalia goes, are you going to take a shower when we get home? (laughs) And Miss Lindsay said, no, I don't think so. I took one this morning. And Athelia goes, oh, because you don't smell very good. <laughs> and then the lady in the stall next to them lost it. Um, and it just it just brought me a lot of joy that she's consistent wherever she goes and that she spread joy through <laughs> telling Miss Lindsay that she smelled. So Miss Lindsay had asked her, like, oh, do you not like my perfume? <laughs> Anyway, that was my uh, Athelia quote from today. Lindsay told me that story today. And I thought it was hilarious. So, there's That's that. pretty good. One. Yeah, she's just, most of the things are <clears throat> her just sounding like an adult lately. Yeah. Like, she'll just make statements. It's like, <clears throat> excuse me, like, what three-year-old says that? Mm-hmm. It's just really entertaining. 
Well, and she just picks really big vocabulary words mm-hmm. and throws them into sentences. Sometimes they make sense. Sometimes they absolutely don't. But, you sure. know, she's heard that word somewhere and just really wanted to use it. Yeah. Um, and I, I wish I could just record her so you guys could listen to those random conversations, not when she thinks she's actually on a podcast. It's pretty fantastic. Yeah, but she's... Really... I know we're, we're a little biased, so... Yeah, but it's really fun. Anyway, <clears throat> marriage. Follow-up. To the follow-up. Part two. Part two. Um, so one of the things I wanted to bring up that I didn't mention in the part one of this marriage series, when we were talking about our story, um, is I really struggled with rage and anger for a while. Hmm. Um, actually, if I really think about it from the time I was a child, I would just get angry fast. And I I think it's because I'm a passionate person. So it's kind of like whatever I'm in in that moment is like it. So if I'm like being goofy, I was like out of control. If I was being ridiculous, I was ridiculous. And if I was angry, I was angry. And from what I can remember, um, sometimes it would just take me a while to calm down growing up. Um, And that followed me into adulthood and into marriage where I just felt like I was kind of a freight train to you um, and ran you over like with my words and my tone and how loud I could get and um, didn't know for a while that I really struggled with like interrupting not just you but other people. And I think that came out of a fear of being misunderstood or um, not wanting someone to think something that wasn't true about me or themselves or the situation. But in that, I wasn't giving you or other people in whatever relationship time and space to actually process and just listen to them. Um, Because I also have super struggled with right versus wrong my whole life. Like, everything has a right way. Um, And if someone else doesn't seem quite right, it's almost like I, I feel the obligation to, like, step in and stop that. So we're, you know, we're, like, talking about what's right or something. But that turned into not just, like, me interrupting you in, like, a normal conversation, but in, like, arguments where, like, if we disagreed, it's, like, I would have to talk louder to, like, be heard or understood or, um, I have just said horrible, awful things to you, um, things I I wish I wouldn't have said but are a part of our story and I think just shows how gracious God is and the transforming work he can do in people's lives because I I don't feel close to that person anymore. Well, and I do just want to say, like, I get that you're sensitive to some of those things, but I really don't feel like you've really said things that were horrible. Like, mm-hmm. in the sense of, like, you never... Like, you never even said things like, I hate you or any... Like, you never try to dismantle my identity or anything like that. Like, I just... Oh, I feel like I did, and that you don't remember that, and I'm really grateful. Uh, <laughs> you I really don't, don't remember, remember that. Yeah, I I really don't think that you did. I think you said a lot of things that were hurtful. Don't get me wrong, but out of just a broken place. Like I don't feel like you said all these things that were just like the way you're talking makes it sound like you were just incredibly like the moment I walked in the door, you just would like dominate and were only mean and uh, all these things. No, and, like, I don't mean that. Um. Like, everyone says, especially in marriage, everyone says something hurtful. Mm -hmm. Um, And maybe you said it more 
maybe set it more because you were in an unhealthy place um, for a while. But I just don't think I just wanted to make sure like we we're using mm -hmm. common language there. Oh, the sure. The level of what you classify as horrible. Um, I, I don't mean I was that way, like around the clock. But like if we were in an argument, like that was the default is like anger, freight train, saying horrible things. Interrupting was something I struggled with in general. But the freight train thing, I feel like was more in like passionate moments. Mm. And the passionate moment might not have even started in an angry place, but it's like I eventually became angry. Mm. Like anger yeah, is a true. symptom of something else. And for me, that was either me trying to defend myself or like we talked about in the first week of this, I thought we weren't allowed to disagree. Mm -hmm. Like I thought in my head, that was a marital thing. Like you were, you and I were supposed to think the same way. And if we disagreed, like something's off, something's mm -hmm. wrong. And as I started to realize that, I don't even remember when God revealed that to me, but I had felt that way my whole life with people. Mm. Like, again, a right and wrong way, right? So if we think two different things, then someone's not right. <laughs> like mm -hmm. that's, that's disconcerting to a girl who's like trying to be super legalistic. But there is, <laughs> there is a space in relationships where I wanted to do, like I really wanted to do what was right. And I stood for what was right for the most part, but I would just like ebb and flow to like match whatever almost just so it was like, we're in one fluid thing of thought. And I don't know if that's, a, I didn't want to feel awkward. And like I stood out cause I felt so much like I stood out or if that was a, I really feel like I can't disagree in any relationships because that's like a conflict and conflict isn't okay. Um, but I definitely carry that into marriage and really feel like those passionate moments that even if it was like you thought we should have pizza for dinner and I wanted spaghetti, that like that became an issue to me. Like we have to both want the same thing. Because um, then it's like, well, what do you choose and who do you put first when I really want spaghetti? And like it just really boiled down to like a posture of my heart where I did not love you well in the way that Christ loved the church. Like I was not good at, um, putting anyone before myself truly. And I think I, I did practices that showed that I did, if that makes sense. Like I served in youth group and I was, I worked in a youth group for years and I loved going to the least, the last and the lost and like doing mission trips and things like that. And I'm, I'm not trying to belittle that, but the like common thread that I, I sense God has brought up in my life is that even those things, though I wanted to honor him, and I, and I think I did because I really was trying to do the best I could at the time, and he's honored by that. But I just have realized how much in my life I did for me and like what I felt and what I wanted. Like I wanted to feel good about myself serving the least last and lost because that's what you're supposed to do. And like, I wanted to go overseas and visit countries because I loved other people and cultures and I want to experience this and I, and I, and I, so I would like push a, my agenda like in my life or your life or other people's lives, because this is the way Haley wanted it. This is the way that life made sense. Kind of in the way that you talked about in the, the first week that you like had this idea about what marriage was supposed to be. Mm -hmm. Um, and I, I think I did too, where, because I think you actually asked me a question and I was like, oh, I don't know if I did that. And as I thought about it, like I did, I totally thought our marriage was supposed to fit in a certain box and look a certain way. And we love each other this way. And we're, we are romantical this way. And we have this kind of friendship with people and we spend this many nights together. Like those were so unwritten in the way and the construct that I did life that I like didn't even know that was there, but that created such pressure. 
between us and inside of ourselves, like we weren't loving or serving each other super well. Like we were trying, but that, I think that's where we came colliding a lot is we mm-hmm. were both trying so hard to be this perfect something and yet make our marriage this perfect something. Um, but I had actually done that the majority of my life, like trying to make the world fit into what I thought it was supposed to be, honestly, to be the best for me. I wanted my life to be easy. Even if I hadn't like said that, I wanted life to be easier. I wanted marriage to be about me and how I felt and like feel served and loved because I thought I was supposed to feel everything a certain way and did not realize that feelings and truth are not always the same thing. Sometimes our feelings are true, but sometimes they're not. Um, and I very much lived like my feelings were the God of my life. Um, so those took me into moments where I was angry and feeling enraged to follow that because that's how I felt. And that has to be true. And, um, I just ended up in really awful places like with that anger and rage and like self hate. Cause it really boiled down to an idolization of myself, but really a hatred of myself. Um, that seems confusing. Yeah. It's conflicting. Um, I feel like if Dan Boone is listening to this right now, he's probably laughing a little bit because in my freedom appointment, there's something called um, self-fulfilling vows or self-protecting vows. Sorry, not fulfilling because they're not fulfilling. Self-protecting vows that we talk through and they're promises that you make to yourself that you actually have no control over. Like, I will never let that happen. Well, I don't have control over me or that. Well, over me, over that person. I can use God's power, like through his Holy Spirit to use self-control, right? Mm -hmm. But I can't determine if the weather's going to snow today, right? So it can't be like, I will never let it snow again. Things like that. Um, These self-protecting vows actually typically come in a um, complete polar opposite thing. Hmm. So let's say, I'm trying to think of an example This is really cool. I haven't operated like this very often over the last few years. So this is kind of hard for me to like come up with. Um, Okay. I will never struggle with rage again on the very other side of that. I will always struggle with rage. Like just these things we believe or take on and start to believe about ourselves. Those are literally the complete opposite. But I've made the promise to myself that I will never and I will always Um, And it's just conflicting and confusing and me running all over the place, trying to do everything in my own power. So I think the explanation, the best I can say, like with a short amount of words, is I desperately wanted God to love me and felt like I was the most awful thing on the face of the planet. Like, how could a God love me? I need to earn that love, even though I knew I couldn't. And I hated myself for not being good enough. And yet idolized myself, like in a low pride, but like making everything about me to make my life what I thought it should be in order to earn the love of this God, Um, to prove to me I can love myself and other people and to prove to God I'm lovable. Like, I think there's a lot of layers I still don't quite understand, but I idolized myself, my feelings, how I wanted life to run and just would become really angry really easily when things didn't go my way. Um, And along with that, another one of the things I wanted to say is I think for a while, I actually just really struggled with acting super negative, like just focusing on all of the holes in things instead of looking at this beautiful picture in front of me, just looking at like that one little rip. My life is magnificent. God has done so much. And yet that, that stupid little, 
that little cut right there? Why is that there? Um, and I would focus on those empty spaces instead of like on who God was. Like it just is looking at the waves instead of at Jesus, right? Um, and that is the antithesis of surrender and thanksgiving. God's word just constantly talks about like praying with thanksgiving and being thankful and praying continually with joy and thanksgiving. And like, I just was not good at being thankful because I had so much to complain about. And yet God's word says, do everything without complaining and arguing. Well, I feel like I just really was good at complaining, complaining that things didn't go my way, that I didn't feel a certain way, that I didn't feel happy, um, that you weren't being the person I I wanted you to be because that's the person I had decided that I would love someday, like (laughs) morphing you into like this thing I thought I could love. Um, And with that, I think I did that with myself too, which is why I did it with you, that like I had this idea of who I could be and then I would love her. Hmm. Um, so I think I did that same thing to you. Like if you could just change these, you know, 10 things that might not have even needed to be changed, then I could love who you would be. Um, and like quote, feel it love, not an intentional choosing love. So I think there, all of those just go together. Like I just stared at all the negative things and didn't choose joy. Didn't choose that despite the fact that there can be hard things that in God's presence, there's the fullness of joy. I just complained about everything and how things felt hard. And I think when we do that, we begin to see patterns that might not even actually exist. But like, my life is always hard because of these things. Yeah. Well, you're going to see the hard things because you're looking for them. And the same way that like, once you start shopping for a certain kind of car, you see it everywhere or a certain kind of coat or whatever, you suddenly start seeing it everywhere, even though you didn't notice it before. The same is true with complaining and thanksgiving. I think once we practice being thankful, we see all that there is to be grateful for. But on the flip side, and that that spreads joy, that fills us, because that's from Jesus. But when we do the flip side of that, it's just a great cavernous space um, where we just see all the negative, awful things that might actually not be true, but we see them because we're looking for them. And then we might even make them up so that it makes our little, our reality make sense or so our story makes sense to us or so that we can connect dots from our past to right now or so many reasons. So anyway, those were a few of the things that I had just thought about since we had talked or quite honestly, just like lately I struggle thinking. So even in our conversation the first week on marriage, like there were things I lost. Like as you were talking, I was like, I wanted to say something and I forgot it. So those were a few of the things that popped back up that I wanted to touch on that I think lots of people can struggle with. Like just this passionate moment, like take a break, take a deep breath and don't try to push the other person. Like here's a Kit Kat. Oh, nice. Free Kit Kat for advertising. Just kidding. Um, but really like take a moment, like Shay needed moments and I wanted to like push through things. Um, but maybe have a time frame. like, Hey, I need an actual one minute or I need five minutes. I need an hour. Can we come back then? So the person who's wanting to talk right away, if you both aren't people who need to take a break, or if you're both people who want to talk right now, but you're not doing it well, yeah, take a break and then reconvene at a agreed upon time to like 
go back over it. But that break almost always would calm me down if mm. I actually let it happen instead of like following you into a room. Cause like, no, we have to fix this now though. The, what I was doing was pouring gasoline on the fire instead of giving you the space and giving me the space to like actually let God step into that space. Yeah. Um, and there is more than we are even aware of to be grateful for. So even in a tough marriage, you can find things to be grateful for, like the sunshine outside or the clouds if it's cloudy, because clouds bring rain and snow and they cover up the sun in the summer sometimes. Like you can really just come up with about anything to retrain your eyes to focus on Jesus. But really just like thanking God for who he is. Like ultimately he never changes. He's constant and consistent. He's been with you through everything. And when we start to do that, and then when we're actually choosing to be grateful for things in our spouse, even when they're not being who we think they should be, or being thankful for things in us, even when we're not being who we wish we were, um, man, that brings life. It really does. And it helps dissipate this anxiousness and this pressure to be a certain something. And it changes, like, the way I see things. So I'm not just immediately when you walk in a room, like, well, there he went putting his shoes on, you know? But just, man, like, I'm so grateful that you're home. And I love the dad that you are and how you engage with our kids and how, like, you love us well. And that doesn't mean that we can't have hard conversations still or call each other up and out. But um, there's a difference in the posture of your heart when you're just seeking out all that's wrong, all that's wrong, all that's wrong. Versus all that God is and who, what he's done. Um, yeah, I just think that's huge. So those are some of the things. Well, thanks for sharing. Yeah. Did you have any follow-up comments to uh, last week since you weren't here for that one? Um, I did. I did listen to it. And um, not that I can think of, but again, COVID brain. I feel like you did a good job of speaking what you and I would have agreed upon, yeah. I think. Um, maybe speaking to the, the women's side mm -hmm. of things. Shay talked about the man being the spiritual head of the home. Um, we believe that that's biblical. God created Adam first, and he mandated to Adam, like, do not eat of this one tree. And it was Adam's job to tell Eve or so we might, we can maybe assume, because it doesn't say God told Eve. Um, but also, like, in the New Testament, Paul talks about the man being the spiritual head of the home. I think that is a part of God's plan. It doesn't mean that if you're a single mom, you can't be the spiritual head of the home. Mm -hmm. It doesn't mean if you're in a relationship where the man is not doing that, the, no one is the spiritual head of the home. But it does mean allowing your husband to be the spiritual head in the same way that um, we are both surrendering and submitting to each other as we love as Christ loves the church. So that being said, it just for me means like not running over you and determining that I know best or um, I know the kids better because I'm with them all day, which is not actually true because we both work, but because I'm with them all day. So I get to make this decision. I think we can inform each other, but ultimately, um, both of us surrendering to God and being willing to listen to his voice, which could come from the other person. But I think God has mandated for the man to do that for very specific reasons that honestly, I don't even fully understand. Um, and I think sometimes women don't 
when they're in a healthy relationship, don't want the man to do that, not even want to. Maybe get nervous that he won't do it well if he hasn't done it before, but just like build build trust there between you and Jesus, knowing that Jesus has your husband um, and you, and also that you guys can both grow in being spiritual heads of the home. But there's there's just something special and unique about what the man is supposed to bring as the head of the home. Um, so I don't know. I feel like you said something like I usually had been the spiritual. Yeah. Just head of a, the home, <clears throat> early on in our marriage that I felt like, like even I defaulted, not that you were like bulldozing me, but that I even just like trusted your relationship with God more than my relationship mm-hmm. with God. So I, I look to you and your spiritual journey to, um, either like make decisions or offer wisdom or insight or whatever Mm. um, that I kind of look to you rather than owning that um, responsibility. And like I said last week, I still don't even fully know what that means because like how you just said, like part of that means not like bulldozing you or running over you with decisions. Well, I also have that responsibility with you because that's not how Christ loves the church. And I'm supposed to, so like even in that, it's like, okay, well, so we're both supposed to do it together. Mm-hmm. We're supposed to look. And it's like, yeah, like there's mutual submission. Um, but there, I, so I don't really always know when those times come into play. Um, the way one, one friend of mine um, kind of put it was he was like, I think like if, uh, if we were looking at making a big decision mm-hmm. and just to be clear, I don't know that I fully agree with this. This was just kind of a simplistic way to put it um, into some words that like if we were making a big decision and you were like green light um, and you were like, let's do it. And I was yellow light that we shouldn't do it because like mm. I'm like I'm, I'm cautious and not really sure yet. But if I was green light and you were yellow light, not red light, but you were only yellow light, then it would be OK as a spiritual mm. leader that if we were both yellow and I jumped to green, then it's like, OK, that's a spiritual leader kind of. Mm taking that decision saying we're kind of both cautious not really sure but then if i go to a place of yes let's do this then like let's go but if the wife were to say yes let's do this and the husband was still kind of yellow then Hmm. then you need to wait type of thing Mm -hmm. but if either one is red it's a no-go even if the husband's green and the wife is red that it's like no that's not that's not loving well and meeting your spouse where Mm -hmm. they're at so um Again, not sure I fully agree with that analogy, but that was just way in terms. It was like, okay, that kind of actually like makes sense um, because there's just not a lot of like practical examples in the Bible of what that means or looks like. It's just like, you're the spiritual leader at home. Okay, so um, I think there's a responsibility to pray for our families. Um, Doesn't mean moms don't have responsibility either Mm -hmm. or wives. So again, it's like, uh, okay, like we're we're both called to do everything because everyone's called to live like Christ. Um, But I do think that there's a greater way of responsibility in the way that I um, love my family and lead. Um, And I don't think that that has changed as women have um, become, it's going to sound bad, I don't mean to, but have become more um, regular roles in society as far as like um, getting to vote and taking on jobs and becoming breadwinners and things like that. Um, I think that all those things are good things. I, I actually love that, that you're in a position to be a, a pastor at our church. Um, I think that's really amazing. So um, 
I, but I don't think that the spiritual headship of the husband has changed because we see that as a consistency throughout scripture, but, um, it's hard to know what that looks like mm-hmm. sometimes. I agree. I think it just comes back to ultimately if we're both surrendered to Jesus and allowing the Holy Spirit to lead our lives, then in any given moment, if we're both seeking his voice, we act in peace together or not. Um, and even let's just say your analogy is true mm-hmm. and you were green and I was yellow, but I'm at peace with the factor at peace. Like mm-hmm. that still to me is like, we're both saying yes, but yeah, yeah I think it really just depends on, I don't even know. I don't even know how to put it into words, but just seek God's voice and, and operate in peace and allow him to tell you what to do and when to do it and when to stay and when to go and what to say and when to be quiet. And husbands and wives both should be praying for each other and their families and mm-hmm. um, loving selflessly, expecting nothing in return. Um, it's the mark of the disciple. It's abandoning everything, picking up your cross, denying yourself, and following Jesus. That means even your rights, your ideas, your dreams for what he has. And it could look like some of the things that you already thought it would, but it might not. And um, doing that in tandem with a spouse can actually be really hard because you might have this, like, dream that actually runs Sorry, up against theirs. Did you say theirs. it can actually be hard? Mm-hmm. It is hard. It is hard. Yeah. It is hard. I want to <laughs> I think that idea of unity, like to become one flesh, mm-hmm. is one of the more difficult things to actually genuinely do well. I agree. Yeah, I agree. I think maybe I said can be hard because it's become so much easier, mm. but it still doesn't make it easy to die to myself. But it's become more natural, mm. even when it's hard to like do that. Um, but yeah, I just, that falls into like, not just trusting you, but ultimately trusting God and trusting that he's speaking to your spouse. Yeah. Um, so anyway, I think, I think that's it. Cool. Well, thanks for taking the time just to do a quick little follow up with some of your thoughts. Mm-hmm. Missed having you last week. Yeah, I missed being here. All right. Well, thanks, everybody. I hope you have an awesome week and uh, you will hear from us again very, very soon. (laughs) See ya.